Welcome to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast powered by Guardian Caps. Guardian Caps are a one-size-fits-all helmet cover that help reduce impact for your players during practice. Coach Perry is a huge proponent of Guardian Caps after using them at Pearl High School, and it was one of the first football items he purchased when taking the job at Nixon. Caps are mandated by the NFL for O-line, D-line, linebackers, tight ends, and running backs, and utilized by over 270 colleges, over 3,000 high schools, and over 600 youth programs across the country. As helmets become more and more expensive, the Guardian Caps also do a great job of protecting your helmet investment. See the link in our show notes for more information on Guardian Caps. In each episode, John takes you on a journey of growth, learning, and endless improvement. Whether you're an athlete, coach, or someone simply just striving to get better, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, John Perry. All right, welcome to the podcast today where we are joined by one Chris Corneliuson, a a dynamic speaker, a successful entrepreneur, and a champion of positive culture. As the owner of companies like Solutions Rx, which I've dug into Solutions Rx a little bit, um, I know, you know, that how that come about was by owning a couple of pharmacies, you know, jumping into, you know, some of the needs that people needed on top of what they were getting, you created the Solutions RX brand that I want to talk about here in a minute. But he has a proven track record of building high-performance teams. He's a distinguished graduate of the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy, hence the reason why he owns several pharmacies and has been recognized all over for his entrepreneurial achievements. Was actually named the 2015 Entrepreneur of the Year. I have a draw to entrepreneurs because I'm not an entrepreneur. But I have that draw. Um, Beyond business, Chris is deeply involved in the community project, serves on the Northeast Mississippi Community College Foundation Board of Directors, which, you know, I spent two years at Northeast, right, as a football coach. Um, He's also a devoted father, coach, and athlete. Chris believes in the power of influence to create positive change. Chris, welcome to the show and thank you for being here. Hey, thank you, Coach Perry. You know, you and I, the same. you say you're drawn to entrepreneurs. I'm drawn to coaches. <laughs> Both competitive. We got a lot in common. So, uh, you know, I always love following your work, and I, I'm looking forward to spending some time with you today. Well, you know, Chris, what happened was when COVID hit, I had just taken this uh, job up here in Nixon, Missouri. COVID hit, so then I'm stuck in an apartment or a condo down in Branson, and I run across episode three of the takeoff podcast that Jake Mills does. Okay. And I just, you know, like, I don't know how, how, you know, much into podcast you'd been or this or that, because I had not, I don't know that I had heard of you before then, but I listened to that um, episode and it was really, the first one was about emotional intelligence or EQ. And I had not really heard of, emotional intelligence or emotional EQ. So I listened to it about three times, honestly. And then I had my wife listen to it because, you know, my wife is a behavior specialist, which deals with, you know, various behaviors within the school building. And it was absolutely phenomenal. So that's how I come to know who you were. Then you had another episode on there and it was fantastic too. So, you know, not pushing somebody else's podcast, but if you want to hear, Chris Cornelius and twice take off podcast by Jake Mills. It was episode three. And then again, I don't know if it was episode 20, 30, somewhere in there, you did another one and they was fantastic. I want to start with 
you know, because I told you I was drawn to entrepreneurs. Okay. Where did you first get the thought? Cause I know you grew up, you know, you was an athlete, um, probably pretty good in school. I would guess where did that spirit to own and create come from within you? You know, uh, it was led by my grandfather. He owned a pharmacy and the first one I bought was a, a family owned pharmacy. So I got to watch him and he was my mentor and, you know, wanted to be like him. He was the, the, the best leader I'd seen in my life. And, and, uh, you know, wanted to follow in his footsteps. But, you know, you made a comparison earlier. You know, there's so much in, uh, there's so many similarities from athletics and coaching to being an entrepreneur. And I have that competitive nature. So, you know, you want to, you want to drive things, you want to see them get better. And, and, uh, you know, I, I went to pharmacy school and I, I enjoy being a pharmacist, but I enjoy the business side and entrepreneurship because I really like that competitive nature. I, I like to try and make things better. Let me ask you this, you know, one of the things that I heard on this podcast back uh, several episodes ago is that more things are caught rather than taught from our parents. Like we catch stuff more than we actually listen to what they say. What did you catch, you know, growing up and watching your grandfather? You know, you talked about the leadership skills that he had. What did you catch from him that maybe you didn't even know, you know, you were you were going to use at the time? Like what were some of the skills that he had? that made him so successful? Yeah, you know, he, he was so compassionate about people. And, uh, you know, he, he was laying so many good uh, foundations and, and he was doing so much for the community that I didn't even realize. And uh, I found myself early in my career, my grandfather passed us uh, several years back. And, uh, you know, I found after he passed, I couldn't get over how many people told me I was just like him and I, I turned into him and, uh, and, and it made me realize what it was a, probably the greatest compliment you can ever, you know, receive is when your mentor goes on and, and somebody tells you you've emulated him in some way. Uh, but he, 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 he combined work ethic with compassion. And so he's an extremely hard worker and, and he made that hard work meet the needs of the people that, that he was actually serving. And he was always patient focused. He was always community focused. And uh, I didn't even realize that I was grabbing that from him back in the day. But uh, it's been a powerful thing that I've it's just been eye opening for me in the last few years. You know, that's a definite similarity, you know, between running a business or running a team is, you know, the the people first the serving other people, you know, like early on in my career, I probably thought it was about me and how, how many games can we win and, you know, this, this, and this. But when you become successful, you learn that it is about the people. It is about those that you are serving. You know, the more you give, the more you're going to receive. Yeah. Dale, and when you make people better, you know, you can only do so much yourself. You're a power of one. Period. You know, that's all you can do. But then when you influence other people, you become exponentially a power of 10 or 100 or 1,000. As your leadership grows and your influence grows, you know, your impact grows exponentially. And, you know, in athletics, you know, I think when we all first start playing, well, how good can I be? How good can I be? And then when you start realizing, you know, you got better chances of winning the game and being a more successful team, when you can be as good as you can be, plus teach other people how to, you know, improve faster – you know, it, it it gets exponential. Sure. What are some, you know, beginning with the, the, the pharmacies, you know, building one, building two, building three, 
you know, what were some lessons that you learned along the way as it relates to, you know, building them or issues that come from that or, you know, the leadership skills required to manage the group, to manage the whole thing? What were some lessons learned through that process? Yeah. So, you know, I, I give a keynote and I'm actually writing a book uh, called Superculture mm. and it starts with my failures. And I'll be honest with you, coach, early in my career, I was doing just that. I was failing and I was failing because I didn't realize the impact of other people around me. And when I got out of pharmacy school, I, I was a pretty good pharmacist. I had a, you know, I had a good degree from a hard, you know, university and uh, I was a good pharmacist, but I was a horrible leader. And I didn't realize how I was shutting people around me down every day. And once I realized, you know, for me in, in my culture talk, step one is it all starts with you. And, you know, you have to learn to be a leader. And I didn't even realize early in my career that the number one thing a leader did was serve others. When I finally started getting my leadership and all on track, then the next thing that helped me, you know, uh, open other companies, I, was, I realized that the step two in having a great super culture is you got to write down what you want. Uh, and the reason you got to write it down is because, you know, if, if it's just you and a couple other people, or you got a small business, you might get away with just verbally telling them what you want every day. But if you want a culture to stick and you want it to be year after year, people have to understand what it is. And for me, the first thing I ever wrote down was have fun and be happy at work because mm. I was miserable at work and I was making everybody around me miserable at work. And when I realized that was all my fault. And I wanted to spin it around. The very first thing I wrote down was be happy and have fun at work. And every company I've owned since, that's the number one line on our culture document every time. Have fun and be happy at work. Now, I'll tell you this, Coach Perry, before, before anybody takes us that the wrong way, line four on, on my company culture is, uh, you know, be accountable to your job. And, and then we've got some policy procedures. things. So, so in having fun, we still want to be successful. I, I don't have much fun when I'm not successful. And your football team probably doesn't have much fun, you know, as much fun on the nights they lose as the nights we win. No, we all get better from those failures, but we enjoy successes. So, so we have to have fun inside an environment that is successful. All that's in my culture. So when somebody comes to my company, they get it. They know day one what's expected. And so, you know, it all starts with you. Nothing's getting better till you, you can serve other people. And then when you start writing the things down, you want, and I'm a big fan of keeping it short. <laughs> my, my culture document is always less than a page. My first one was four lines uh, back in the day. Wow, man, that was, you just said a mouthful, okay? Like what, what you just shared with us, I could probably dissect and we could talk about that for two hours okay i'm not going to go two hours but i am going to ask several questions because sure. i am a culture enthusiast i believe that you know leaders drive culture right that drives the behaviors that you know gets the results that we want it starts with us so step number one i'm all in super culture i've never heard that term before but i'm i'm a fan of it right i'll buy the book i promise you and awesome. the fact that you said, you know, you have to be willing to share your failures. That is one of the best signs of a leader is a, is a person that can share their failures and they are vulnerable with their team. People will follow folks that are vulnerable. If you don't want to share your failures and you just want to put out your highlights, people aren't going to follow you like they will follow somebody that is sincere. Okay. Now, 
you know, hey, you can add some to that. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so, so I, I'm a big fan of that too. I, I tell people all the time: the number one thing a leader does is serve others. The number one skill a leader has is vulnerability. And I got a little mm. thing when I'm teaching classes or coaching uh, uh, managers or whatever. I tell them I was like, the difference in being vulnerable and giving somebody an apology is people apologize and do it again and apologize and do it again and apologize and do it again. Being vulnerable is saying, I'm aware of what I did. Wow. This is what happened. This is how I'm going to fix it. And the difference in vulnerability and an apology is people, when you show vulnerability, you acknowledge it and fix it. Right. When you apologize, you just do it. And nobody wants that second apology. Everybody, Part of vulnerability is apologizing and fixing it, but that's the difference in the two. So me and you are out on that too. Hey man, if you continue making the same mistakes, there might be a problem. Okay. Absolutely. Early on, you're, you're, you know, like you're not the leader that you need to be. Right. And you decide that, you know, I need to up my game. How do you up your game? Like, where do you go? What did you do? What did, you know, was it, was it reading? Was it, you know, going off and studying people, was it, you know, like um, Zig Ziglar is a little bit before me, okay? But, mm -hmm. you know, like if Zig Ziglar was alive today, he'd probably be the greatest um, um, speaker in the world, right? Um, right? Like, where did you start wanting to build the skills of leadership? You know, uh, to me, I had to hit rock bottom. Uh, I, I was totally failing as an entrepreneur. I was making people around me miserable. And, and the first thing you have to do is become aware. You have to be aware that I'm getting it wrong. Now, at that point, I truly didn't know what to do next. So I did a little bit of all that. I started reading. I'm an avid reader like you, and and, and I was learning things there. But I went on a leap of faith, and I hired a business coach back mm -hmm. in the day. I, I hired a man named Paul Simpson. I joined an organization called Pharmacy Development Services, and the, uh, it was owned by a man named Dan Benamos. And uh, the reason I joined that uh, organization, because it talked about leadership. It talked about the structure that an entrepreneur or, or a business owner needed. And it was obviously industry-specific for me at the time, which I needed. Uh, but I had my business coach Paul Simpson for 13, 14 years. And uh, he he uh, he had a, a military background. He worked at Goldman Sachs, you name it, Paul had done it. And uh, he, he you know, they say when the, the student's ready, the teacher appears. That's true. There's there's areas, there's opportunity to learn all around us all the time. And, and we've all got blind spots that we need to grow through. I've got blind spots right now. You got, and, and it's just immediately when you become aware of them, you can fix them. And so at that time in my life, I knew I needed to improve my leadership. So I read about it. I hired coaches. I did, you know, everything. If you were a golfer and you wanted to fix your golf swing, you go take lessons, you practice and do that. So you, you read, you learn, you get people that have, have more track uh, experience and track record to you. And then you have to practice it. And, and, and it's not, you don't read something, learn something and it's fixed that day. You're still going to screw it. It's a progression. It's a walk forward, but, uh, that, that's where I started, and and I'm still on that path, and I'm going to be on that path every day for the rest of my life. Amen. I heard Tony Robbins the other day say every every living thing on earth is living or dying. You know, like, it's not staying. Stay, you're either living or you're dying, and I don't want to, you know, I want to wake up every day and live, you know, and chase the best version of myself. couple things, you know, um, it starts with becoming aware, okay? So, and for me, I went to a uh, USA football clinic in Orlando years ago, and I heard Brian Kite. Brian Kite made this statement, and in 2016, we went uh, four 
no, 2015, we went four and seven. And I thought we had a great year because we were really young and, you know, we just bumped up into 6A, you know, la-di-da. Well, he made the statement that in that clinic speech that if your team went four and seven, you are a four and seven coach. Look in the mirror, you know. And I, when he said it, I wanted to throw my chair at him, you know, because I'm like, no, I'm not, man. Like we were young. And I started just in my head going to all these excuses. Well, I couldn't get that out of my head. You know, and what I eventually did was this, you know, when I got back home and, you know, started studying up on some of their leadership stuff, I, you know, I, it, it was me, you know, like whatever I'm getting out of our football program, it goes back to me. I'm the one responsible. So, you know, taking ownership has got to be step number one and being aware of the things that aren't right, the things that need to be corrected and, you know, that was a huge uh, step in my professional career was not not going to excuses, looking in the mirror first and saying, what can I do about this? How can I make this a better situation? You know, like it has increased our productivity in football tremendously by, you know, becoming aware and taking ownership. Now we're athletics and business part a little bit. Okay. And this is where it's different. And I really don't know why in a text message today, um, no, in a text message last night with a friend whose wife is a highly successful collegiate basketball uh, coach. We were this talking isn't about Coach Builder back, back, is it? It might be. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> I love you that know, guy. I yeah, love Missy. Great, great dude. Well, fantastic, right? Both of them is fantastic, first of all, but – in a text message back and forth, we were talking about um, he had just bought a, bought a subscription to a leadership deal. I just bought on some coaching from Jesse Itzler, which, you know, I'm pumped up about. And I heard him live. He's unreal. Hey, live. Fantastic. Like, I'm so, I'm so pumped about that. But anyway, but he made the statement, coaches are so cheap. Okay. And this is where business and coaching parts a little bit. You know, you went out 16, 20 years ago or whatever, and you hired a coach, okay? And probably didn't think a whole lot about it because in the business world, people don't think twice about that. I got friends in the business world here. They all got a coach. Like they all got somebody that's trying to take them somewhere that maybe they can't go on their own. We in the coaching world, man, if you try to tell a coach to hire a coach, and pay them, man, get out of here. That ain't something to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's uncharacteristic. And I don't really know why, because I do know, you know, that you pay for you pay for what you get. You know, out of COVID, I wanted to become a certified mental performance trainer because the issues I started seeing with our kids was compounding. You know what I'm saying? So I went with Brian Kane and got certified. You know, it cost me a little bit of money. But man, I've not I've not lost that money. Like that money's come back to me tenfold because of the things that I learned. And it's the same thing with the Jesse Itzler. Like, yeah, it was a little bit of money, but I've already won. You know, like I've already, you see this calendar behind me, right? Yeah. This is calendar that has, you know, like I've already got things stuck up there that I wouldn't have stuck up there without him. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. you know, I do know that's a difference in in the 
coaching and business world. So I'm I'm really glad that you said that because that is a way that, you know, we can get better. And then also the reading thing. I heard Tony Robbins say this um, the other day that his mother chased him from his house at 15 years old with a knife. And at 15 years old, he decided that he was going to change his mindset from negative to being a more optimistic, positive person. And he started reading. Reading gave him that opportunity, you know, and I think the same thing with me reading because I didn't hire a coach 20 years ago. I didn't, I found mentors. Okay. And I had some great ones. Um, but reading did change my life, you know? So that was another Avenue that, um, you know, that I used that did help tremendously. All right. Going back to the super culture. All right. Mm -hmm. we, we were step one. Um, it all starts with you. We were step two, write it down. And I'm big on the write it down thing, right? Like I oh, think yeah. not only do you have to write it down, but then you have to live it every day. You know what I'm saying? Like what's a couple more steps in the process of, you know, a super culture? I'm just hoping you'd ask you ain't got to give me the whole book. <laughs> I, I'm, well, I don't mind that at all because I think you're going to get excited about this next part. I, I've got a mantra in step three. I, I, it yep. all starts with you write it down or it does not exist. And step three is you praise what you want repeated. Mm. So once you write down the environment you want to be in, the culture you want to be in, then when you give reprimand or praise, step four is hold it accountable. So if you want to be happy at work, then you got to find people being happy and having fun at work. And you got to praise them for that. If, if you want people to show up on time in places when they show up on time, you have to actually praise it. Too many times we only we don't praise enough. I say, you know, when I trained my managers, I used to give them a praise coin and I, I give praise coins out to this day. And I would tell them, I want you to praise 10 times a day. And then what do you want me to praise on? I was like, well, preferably something inside our culture, our goals, or our processes. And, and, and I want you to be able to find 10 a day. And that's the minimum. If you can't praise 10 times a day for me, you're not going to be a manager. You're not going to be a leader. You're not going to be on my team that long. I mean, yeah. and, and you need leaders on every level. So like on your football team, you need to praise 10 times a day. You need your coaches to praise 10 times a day. You need your seniors to praise 10 times a day. You need your managers to praise 10 times a day whatever they want repeated. And there's this thing, you know, we talked about EQ on that podcast. You were talking about that. That's emotional yep. intelligence. That's living on the fight or flight side of the brain, you know, not showing, uh, uh, not shutting down, not letting anger, rage, yep. embarrassment control your day. But see, there's, there's a praise side of the brain. And when you praise something, it releases dopamine in the brain. That makes people happy. And, and once they're happy, they're relaxed, and acetylcholine goes to the brain. Therefore, they learn better and quicker. Mm. So if, if you tell me, if, if you want me to do something, uh, no matter what it is, it, it show up at, at work on time, you, you ask me to do it, then I do it the next day, and you tell me thank you. I might wipe it off the first time, but it's still, it's still meaningful for me. And 30 days down the road, and you say, man, I really appreciate you showing up all the time, or, or I, I appreciate you straightening up when you get her first thing or i appreciate that when you make a sale to a client you actually understand their problem and, and you solve their problem you don't just make a sale you know whatever you want repeated whatever your environment is you have to praise it mm. and and i got this from uh kelly babcock and terry norvell they've got a great leadership program and you're gonna like this they took that you know you got iq your intellectual intelligence you got eq your emotional intelligence and the new term uh term they used was pq which was the positivity quotient. So mm. positive intelligence. And as you praise people, you create positivity in your environment. Therefore, your environment grows much quicker, much faster, and much better. 
Wow. And I, I think I know they're quoting an author too, and I'd like to give him credit, but I've never read his work. But I, I, that's who I heard it from was Kelly and Terry. So, the, but I, I love the concept of a positivity quotient because you know it, they and the analogy they used is in athletics that you would train and you'd want to get stronger, so you lift weights to build your bicep or your quads, whatever muscle you're working on. The positivity quotient, as you start praising people and you try to start being more positive, it grows your positivity uh, intelligence mode and makes you you know. Just be more joyful and grateful, which I don't have to tell you attracts more good things in. That's awesome. You know, and one thing I would add to that because it was fantastic, but, you know, in building a team, okay, whether that's a football team, whether that's a pharmacy team, I don't care what the team is, yep. rewarding the behavior that you want for the team to have as a whole yeah. you know, is one of the best things we can do, you know, yeah. and in the athletic world, sometimes, and I think back when I was younger, you know, we would praise athleticism or mm -hmm. we would praise talent. And as a coach, you got to be extremely careful praising talent or pray, because as soon as you praise somebody that has the behaviors of something less than you want in your culture, but you praise them for their talent, man, you're screwed. Like you're screwed because everybody sitting there now is like, oh, okay, so I got to do that, you know, to, to receive love or to receive recognition or to receive. Whereas if we recognize the kid who we want our culture to be like, you know, that kid that's tough as nails, that kid that shows up early every single day that mm -hmm. throws the equipment out on the field, puts the equipment up. You know, if we recognize that kid in front of the his peers, then we're going to get more of that. You know what I mean? Like, and I think young coaches really struggle with wanting to praise the kid that's going to go out there and score six touchdowns for them. But, you know, that is not going to build the culture that you want for it to sustain anything. Right. Let, let me let me uh, give a little bit different spin on the same thought process. Uh, There's a great book called The Gap Versus the Gain. I think it's by Ben Hardy. And, and it's about this was good for me because when you're uh, competitive, like in sports or business or whatever, and say the goal is 100 and you reach 98, uh, the concept I used to have was we didn't meet the goal. We lost. And in his book, he gets you in the concept of, of gain, you know, you, you measure backwards. So if I started at 50 and I made it to 98, even the goal, even though the goal was 100, I still had a huge gain in their success in that. So when you praise the athleticism, then you just make sure you praise every athlete on their athleticism. And, and if, if, if we're praising somebody for being super fast and, and another player gets faster, that's a plus. Or, you know, if you use sure. the ladders and, uh, you know, my son was a receiver. You know, my son played uh, a little college football and he's going in the coaching profession and he'd do his ladder work for receivers. Well, then I noticed, you know, linemen doing ladder work and linebackers doing ladder work and yeah. they were all getting better. They so using the same drills to just get better. So I think you can praise athleticism, but you do have to keep it, you know, player to player within them making progress and them getting better. And I know you do that. I, I know I'm preaching to the choir there on that for sure. sure. Well, you know, the one thing I try to I try to tell our kids is, you know, at 22 years old, they're all going to go pro in life. You know, like uh, that's what we're going to go pro in, right? Like there might be 10 percent that get to go play college football, but the skills that 
you know, the skills that matter in this world are going to be the same ones, whether you are the starting wide receiver or you are the fourth string wide receiver, and they all get the same thing. Well, going back to the positivity deal, I heard mm -hmm. this three years ago on that podcast, and we live in some very negative times, okay, where, you know, social media, uh, the news, right, they make their living off of fear. Um, if one wanted to be more positive, because that's something we all could use, there was a drill that you talked about that I thought was absolutely fantastic. Now, I don't know what was in the pocket. But every time you made a positive comment or praised somebody, you moved a chip from, say, your back pocket to your front pocket. And you had a certain number of chips in your pocket that you had to move to the front by the end of the day. And I thought, because I'm I'm one of those that I carry, we have poker chips in our program, okay, that have our mantra or you know our saying for the year or whatever. And I towed it in my pocket every single day. Mm -hmm. What it is for me is a reminder of my personal core value. So if something gets out of whack, you know, I just kind of tap my pocket, I feel it, and it reminds me that, you know, my personal core values are make a difference, serve others, and remain curious. But then it reminds me also our team core values are family, hard work, commitment, positive attitude, courage, and competitiveness. So between those nine it's putting me back in a positive state of mind. So tell me a little bit about the, the chips rocks um, yep. or whatever it is, you know, moving them. Yeah. So back in the day, I used to train my managers and I'd make them put 10 quarters or pennies or something. And that was how I made them keep track with it on sure. a day to day basis. And then when I would see them, I'd say, Hey man, how many coins you got in your pocket? And, and, and they would, uh, you know, sometimes they'd say none or, or sometimes they'd say 10. I'd be like, well, Hey, no worries. You still got plenty of day left, you know, that's right. on something somebody's doing good. I've morphed that. And, and now, you know, I keynote with picture perfect speaker. When I give my talk, a lot of times, uh, I, I have these praise coins now and I moved it to one coin. Cause I was putting a lot of coins in people's pockets. Sure. And, uh, I've got a, a coin now it's called the, I call it the Cornelius and praise coin. And, uh, the backside of it's got my mantra, you know, praise what you want repeated. And it's got a big praise 10 times a day uh, written on one side of it. And that's to remind people, I, I want it to be at least 10 times for every time we have to reprimand because high, highly successful businesses and programs have reprimand. There are times where people don't do what we want. We have to acknowledge that sure. and, and hold them accountable to the standard. Um, but I do the same thing you do. Uh, I, I keep it in my pocket. And if things aren't going on track or things aren't in my life or business or, or being a dad, if things aren't as positive or I'm not getting the results. The first thing I say, okay, what am I focused on? Am I focused on the positive or negative and what's going on good around me that I do want more of. And I try to make sure I acknowledge that with those people. I try to put out there what I want next. And I, I try to, you know, just start praising them. So I, I go, it, you know, it's always about going back to the basics. It's always about finding awareness of what's next. And once you find awareness, then you go back to, you know, what's worked for you in the past and what's worked for me in the past is, Praising what I want repeated, and I do just like you. I, I did merge it down from 10 coins to one coin that says 10 times on it, <laughs> just so I had less in my pocket. Sure. You know what? I mean, that's still, for for a high school kid or, for heck, for anybody that has an issue with it, that would be a very uh, positive way to assure that they are. You know, make them empty their pockets every single day, you know, whereas, and, and I also think having the, 
coin in your pocket. I mean, all we're trying to do is change our state, you know, and to change our state, sometimes all it takes is, you know, tapping that coin in my pocket, you know, and then all of a sudden my thought process, I'm talking to myself differently than I was before. I heard Tony Franklin. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of Tony Franklin, but he's a passing guru, has his own style of offense, um, goes back to the Mike Leach, how mummy days, extremely successful uh, air raid coaching guy, I guess you would say. I was listening to a podcast the other day he was on or a show and he carries a rock. He carries a pebble in his and his foot. His rock is to remind him to be grateful. But and I don't know the significance of the rock. Like, I think I could find something. I think I have found something better than a rock. But you know, whatever it is, it's the same thing. Um, let me ask you this, because, you know, I heard you talk about this a long time ago, but I think it has been big in my life. And that is the power of gratitude. How do you practice gratitude and how does gratitude affect the law of attraction? You know, like how does, because gratitude is something in my life that, you know, having a gratitude practice has made me much more grateful than hateful. And it gets me off of hateful back to grateful really fast when some people that haven't had, you know, the gratitude practice in their life really struggles to get too grateful you know how how have you um became a grateful person and how does that affect the law of attraction guardian caps are lightweight one size fits all football helmet covers for practice they reduce 20 to 33 percent of the impact depending on the speed and the location great for the repetitive sub-concussive blows that add up throughout the week also great for body blows used by clemson penn state washington oklahoma 150 other colleges and about 2,000 high schools across the country. Also protect that helmet. If your helmets are getting beat up at the end of the year, Guardian Caps can help protect that helmet investment. Uh, so I'm a big fan of the law of attraction. And, you know, basically you attract in, you know, what you focus on, you attract more of in. And uh, my gratitude practice, my personal one now is in the morning when my alarm clock goes off, I try to think of one thing I'm grateful for that day before my feet touch the ground. Mm. And, and I, it's something I started, I don't know, four or five years ago. I've had several gratitude practices, but when I moved, I was like, you know, the, if I want to attract good things into my life, then I got to be grateful for what I have. And then what really happens is you make yourself literally a magnet of positivity. And, and I change it every day and it, it doesn't take long. I wake up and I say, what am I grateful for today? Might be my family, might be something that happened the day before, might be something I get to. This morning, I'll be honest, I was actually grateful. I was getting to come on your podcast and I was grateful for a moment I had a couple of days ago with Coach Jake Mills. And ironically, I'm going to tell the story because you just hit on it. He was talking about when he was a graduate assistant for my best friend, uh, Coach Richie Harrelson. And he was, you know, like a lot of coaches, you know, we, we get the reprimand side and we get in people's butt, you know, early sure. on. And that's what I was doing as a manager is what I'd seen on the athletic field when I, you know, wasn't getting it right early in my leadership. And he was talking about, I talked him into putting those coins in his back pocket. And he said, I had those doggone coins in my back pocket and I was moving them. He said, but it changed who I was. And, uh, you know, gratitude has changed, you know, who I am. Uh, even when I got to be, 
better at being a leader. And I don't think you'll ever have it perfected or mastered. I'm trying to get better every year too, but gratitude changed everything. Uh, it, it, it really folks you in, it, it puts you in a positive mindset. It lets you attract things in. Uh, my good friend, Richie Harrelson, a few years ago, uh, he was having some uh, stuff going on in his life like we all do, uh, especially you coach. I, th I find in the season, man, y'all are under so much stress. Uh, you know, it's just, even when it's going good, it seems like it seems like the coaching profession just have a lot on you during season. You have a lot of things coming at once. And uh, he was, you know, getting really stressed out on and, and he was talking to me about it. And, and I talked to him into starting a gratitude journal for himself. Mm -hmm. And I had forgotten about, you know, that. And I think he's been doing that for two and a half, three years. And, and it's been fun to watch his mindset just get better. But for me, it's a first thing in the morning, clock goes off. What am I grateful for? And then throughout the day, I try to do some things, but, but that's my real gratitude practices first thing in the morning and every every once in a while it'll get to like 30 minutes or i'll have had a shower and thought man i didn't do a gratitude practice this morning it takes me about 10 seconds to think of something in my life i'm really thankful for because i'm blessed coach <laughs> well you know what you know and you mentioned this you know bad things are hap are going to happen to all of us okay human nature the law the law of nature is adversity is coming and we're in, we're not anything special like it's going to come to all of us. Okay. And, you know, on the flip side of that, there's something to learn, gain, or be positive about in any situation. Amen. Now, some situations may require you really diving in to find something to be thankful or grateful for. But, you know, that I, I started that gratitude journaling probably, it's probably 10 years ago. I sat down and did it Every single day for 365 days, it was the first thing I did. I wrote down three to five things that I was grateful for every day. I didn't miss a day. And it reprogrammed my mind. Like it reprogrammed me because I think I was a very, uh, I could be a very negative person. I could be a very, make excuses when things don't go my way, blame other people like, you know, a lot of people do. But that gratitude journaling helped me change the way or the lens that I look out of, you know, and I know that that is, you know, something that can help a ton of people. And it's so simple. I mean, whether it's, you know, before you get out of bed, it take, takes you 30 seconds, you know, I have a spot where I sit and read. And that's the first thing I do when I sit down, it might take me 60 seconds to write three things down, but it just starts the day off. Right. You know, I tell our kids, I told them the other day, like if I was a high school kid, I would probably do it at nighttime. I'd keep a journal by my bed. I'd write down three, four, five things I'm grateful for before I go to sleep because our kids are probably not as happy to wake up in the morning time as I am. Now, as they get older, they will become happy to wake up because, you know, we are extremely grateful to wake up. All right. Step number four was hold them accountable. Hold it accountable. How do you, and this is, one of the issues, and you know, you might can have an answer for this for me. Our coaches hold our players accountable, not a problem. Okay. But when we get to a player led team, players, leaders, players will hold their teammates accountable. And we're not there yet. Like, whether it's fear of retaliation, you know, and we got great kids and we got some great leaders, but they do not want to hold their teammates accountable, you know, like number one, step four, hold it accountable. You know, what do you mean? And then the second part of that question would be, you know, do you have ideas on how our teammates can hold each other accountable? How do we get to that level 
you know, of, of leadership. Yeah, sure, sure. So what I mean by hold it accountable is, is just that, you know, you, after you write it down, you write down your culture, you write down your goals in, in a business, you write down your processes. I'm sure you got ways you run your offense, yeah. defense, so on and so forth. So, so we know what we're trying to achieve and hold it accountable. When we don't achieve that, we have to acknowledge it. You know, if we're not doing it the right way, if we say we're going to, if we say we're going to work out for 10 minutes and, and we worked out for five, we didn't do it right. Or, 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 you know, anything you're supposed to do, you call out. Now, you said something when you asked the question. You said they may not hold it accountable for fear from repercussion and things like that. So that's the emotional intelligence side. We're, we're afraid. And so we shut down and don't do it. Now, what I, you asked me what I would tell somebody like that. I would tell them you're not praising enough. Mm. Because when you when you praise, you build up some trust equity. And when you build up trust equity, see, what I would tell my managers back in the day was if the only time you say something to that person that's under you, you're getting on their tail or you're telling them you didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. You didn't put that over here. Your trust equity is getting off. But if you tell them, hey, you did a really good job yesterday. Hey, I appreciate you helping me out there. Hey, you know, I really like how you talk to that patient. You really made a difference in their life or, or a teammate. Hey man, way to go. Good play. And actually in sports, you'll probably do a lot more than that than you give yourself credit for. Even the players, you know, Hey man, way to go. Good job. And, and you don't have to be Mr. Vocal. And if it's out of your character, but you still have to get your 10 in. And once you've got that 10 in, you're having a conversation with somebody and when it's time to say, you know, hey, Chris, you didn't get that right. You know, that that's not the way we do that play. You, you got to step out this way. You know, if, if you've told me, hey, Chris, way to go. Hey, Chris, things are going. And I'm used to talking to you. And I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, great. You know, what's next? But if you hadn't said anything to me all day long, and the only thing you tell me is, Chris, you messed that up. Hey, Chris, you didn't do that right. Hey, Chris, I'm tired of telling you over and over. And that's the only thing I'm hearing. Your trust equity is getting the wrong way. My emotional intelligence now is what, this person only gets on to me. And so you hadn't built up my positivity quotient, right? So you're, you're mm. my emotional intelligence with you is going down and my positivity quotient is going down. And and if, if I'm the player, then I have to tell myself, find something to be grateful for here <laughs> so that I don't get pulled into that, that trap. Gosh, Chris, that was so good. Like that, that was, that was a clinic on what I needed. Okay. Because, and I say this, I think we as humans kind of suck at affirming other people. You know, we do, we do, we do. We just, and I don't know what it is. And I, I, I try really hard, you know, to tell my coaches, you know, praise them for the things that are good, but I don't praise them enough. I know I don't, you know, like that's something that I got to work on. So I may need to, I may need to put 10 coins in my pocket and delete it by giving affirmations because I know that what you're saying is 100% the truth. If you affirm more then you are going to take more ownership. I got this, the, the, I got this a while back. I interviewed uh, Pat Murphy, who's the softball coach at Alabama, man. Phenomenal. Okay. Well, he had that same thought you had is that we are terrible at affirming others. We're also terrible at taking affirmations from others and we're terrible at owning stuff so he has this activity that he does that we will implement in our football team next year i promise you it's called props and owns when they get through with softball practice every single day at the university of alabama they circle up around the plate and they give the opportunity 
to affirm somebody else. So, you know, it may be Sally says, you know, um, Jessica, man, today your attitude was fantastic. Like you brought it today all day long and I'm, I'm really proud of you. Well, then all Jessica can say in return is two words. Thank you. That's it. Like she, she can't say anything else. Just wow. thank you, okay. So they go around and they affirm others and then comes the onus. So you got your props and now you got your onus. Now an onus may look like, um, um, Stephanie may say, you know, I apologize today because I knew as soon as I dove for that ball down the line that I had made the wrong decision. I knew I wasn't going to get it. As soon as I dove, the ball went to the wall, two runs scored. I should have cut it off, hit the cutoff. My bad. I own that I will not do that again. And they go around and they give each other the opportunity to own it. And I think that is one of the best activities that I have come across on this podcast that will add value to our program because man, I don't think, I don't think kids are great at affirming others. I don't think they're great at accepting affirmations and I know they're not fantastic at taking ownership. You know, like that's not a skill that they're, they're really good at. So I found that to be um, really, really good. And it was right. Exactly what you're talking about. We just need to praise more. That that's phenomenal. I, I, something for fun. Uh, so when I'd have pharmacists, a lot of times that were manager, and and they would be, you know, I don't know what to praise people for, and I'd be like, would you appreciate that technician taking that phone call for you so you could talk to that patient? Yeah. Do you appreciate that clerk ringing that customer up so you don't have to do it? Do you appreciate the person count? So yeah, and and the, the, yes, yes, yes. And say, have you told them? So I'd I'd take a football player, maybe it's a quarterback for ease, and that's a you know. Do you appreciate the line blocking them off? I'll be that play. Did you appreciate them your your mm -hmm. left tackle or, or or your your running back stepping up and picking up that blitz and linebacker? And I'm sure those will be yes, 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 yes. Do you appreciate that receiver making that good catch or knocking that ball down to keep it from getting bigger? Did you appreciate all that stuff? Yeah. Did you tell them? And in in practice is about you know in the game situation you're going to be playing, 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 bang, bang, bang. But in practice, man, if you're an athlete. And you can't find 10 things to thank your teammates, your brotherhood for. Amen. You're missing it. <laughs> you, you really are. That's a fact. Well, tell me about the um the book, Superculture. Like where where when when will you put that out into the world? We're trying our best to be finished with it by July 1st. Um we're I hope we I hope we meet that deadline. It's a good one. Uh, the funny thing for me is I started. I, I, I'm so blessed. Uh, I, I signed on with uh, Picture Perfect Speaker and I uh, speak to the organization and and I've been doing Superculture all over the country for like literally the last two years now, and uh, it's been awesome. But everybody that I'd go to speak with, it was like you know when people call to hire you, they want you as a keynote to have your book written. So it was like, hey, let me get your book. Let me get your book. And then it was like. You ain't got a book. And and coach, I actually lost a job. This company called me, saw had references and 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 watched my uh video and they had some kind of conference and voted on me. And I'm I'm expecting to get the contract. They already said yes. I'd already had conversations with them. When they realized I didn't have a book, I got fired. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, hey, we want somebody with a book. And I was like, Yeah, all right, I gotta get off my butt and write the book. And I, I just think that was the universe telling me, hey. I don't think I, I've never thought of myself as an author or great, but uh, it's the universe saying somebody needs to read something. I'm going to write in there and I hope it's a great book, but at least I hope it impacts people. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting out. We're, we're going to get it out by July sure. 1st. It's going well, I'm going to tell you what, 
I'm excited. I I will be uh, one of the first people in the world to read it. I can assure you of that. Um, let me ask you this, because, you know, you do a lot, okay? Like you're into, you know, you started with the pharmacies and then the uh, Solutions Rx, and then you get into speaking, you get into, you know, like what's the motivation behind continuing to then you, you know, the thought of the book, which I was going to tell you this. I had a friend tell me one time, if you write a book, you, you, if you write a book, your book is like your business card. It don't even have to be no good. Just write a book. And then people <laughs> ask you to speak about your book. Cause he said, most yeah. they're going to read chapter one anyway, and they're going to put it down. But you know, like what motivates you to continue to dive off in? Like why jump into public speaking? Why, you know, jump into a book? Why jump into some of the things you have jumped into? Uh, you know, I, I truly, my thrill in life right now is to impact other people. Um, I've been so blessed and impacted so many ways by so many people that just poured into me my whole life. And uh, I, I think when, when we become more grateful and we get a little bit better at our leadership journey and, and we start realizing people who poured into us when we didn't realize it and uh, and and how how much you can change somebody's life in the, in the blink of an eye. And, uh, you know, I think in Jim Collins book back in the day, good to great, he called it being a level five leader. And he said in that book, basically a level five leader impacts people they don't know. And that's what I want to do. You know, uh, we, we can get focused on the negativity, especially in social media or politics or wherever it's at. And, uh, you know, I, I, I want to be a part of the influence to good. And I don't ever want to stop that. I, I turned 50 uh, a couple weeks ago and I feel 35. I tell people all the time, I got 50 more good ones in me and uh, I'm not slowing down. I'm just going to be grateful for everything that's been bestowed on me. And I'm going to try to pay it forward as much as I can. That's awesome. Um, serving other people, mm -hmm. you know, what the good Lord put us on this earth to do. And, you know, the great thing about it is action. Action, you know, creates opportunities. And there are people right now listening to this that could be in public speaking, mm -hmm. could write a book, could, you know, like, but the, you know, the mindset holds them back, the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of, but action like cures all of that, you know? And that's one thing that I've, I mean, I've wanted a podcast because I'm a learner, right? I've been listening to podcasts for a while and I wanted one for myself, A, so that I could continue to learn and B, that I could help other people, you know, like deliver something that might help somebody else in this world. And for so long, it was just a thought. It was a thought. It was a thought. Like, I've, and I've shared this. You see this microphone? Yeah. Microphone. My wife bought me this about a year and a half ago. Uh-huh. So that I would do something. Like, quit talking about it and do it. And I still waited another year. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I still procrastinated. But, you know, I know taking action, you know, cures a lot of those things, you know? And you learn along the way. Like, sometimes the reason why we don't take action is because we're not sure what we're doing. Well, if you'll start, you'll start figuring it out. You'll have no other option. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you will, your learning curve will happen faster. How has the speaking, um, you know, from when you started, you know, was that frightening? Was that easy? Was it, you know, how did that go? And how have you grown? How have you learned, you know, to be better with that, uh, with the public speaking part of it? 
So uh, the fearful part, I, I spoke the other night, it's probably the hundredth or several hundred times I've done it. And I'm just as scared uh, still to this day, <laughs> right before it starts, right, every time uh, you just learn to, to kind of deal with that and, you know, get by. Um, as far as, uh, you know, I actually got training in speaking. Uh, you know, I, I went out and tried to get better because I think I think when you're passionate about something, you want to go to other people who have done it before you. I've read books, uh, uh, professional speakers books. And I like you. I like to listen to things, uh, podcast and, and and motivational tips and things like that to, you know, get other people spins. Uh, uh, Tony Robbins, Eric Thomas, you know, all those people. Sure. And, uh, you know, you, you just learn and you, you try to reflect. I'll tell you something about uh, gratitude and gratitude practice. Like I'm also really competitive and aggressive and want to be a higher achiever. So in the morning, I, I try to think about something I love. I try, try to be grateful for something. And then I try to think of something I want. And I go after it. And that's what I tell my kids to do. I tell them, you know, I don't think they do it all the time. You know, my kids are both in college and I love them. They love me, but I'm still their dad. So they don't necessarily hang on every word I say at this point in life. But, you know, I've always, I try to tell them, you know, when they, when they have a big test or they have a, a big ball game or something going on in their life, I try to settle, remind them to, you know, think of something they love, you know, get your heart right. You know, hopefully that's God a lot of the times. So hopefully it's been whatever it is. Be grateful for something. You know, be grateful for what you got. And then I tell them, picture exactly what you want. Exactly. I don't care how high the level is. If you're if you're in a football game, you're going to score five touchdowns, and then picture scoring five touchdowns, and then go get it. You know, go go attract that stuff in. I love it. That's what, you know, I call dream big. Just dream big. Because yeah. If you can't dream big, you're surely not going to hit it. You know, like – you must dream big to have the possibility. You know, I heard this um, the other day. It was uh, Sherry Cole. And if you do not subscribe to her blog, I would subscribe to her blog. She's one of the best writers that I have ever come across. Sherry, Sherry Cole. She is the Hall of Fame basketball coach at Oklahoma who's now retired from the basketball world. She said when she went into the ninth grade, she put a piece of paper on her locker door that said, I will win a state championship. I will uh, be an all-state player and I will get a full scholarship to play basketball. And in between every class, six times a day, in between every period, she'd go to her locker, swap books and read it every day for four years. And when she graduated, she won a state championship, was an all-state player and got a scholarship. Now she says in her blog, like that's not the reason why that stuff happened. But it opened my mind to the possibility of it happening. Sure, there's other things. There's great coaches she had. There's luck from, you know, she stayed healthy. She, you know, but it opened up the possibility. So, you know, dream big, man. Like dream as big as you want to be. And don't, don't, you know, sometimes we're, this, we, we, we put our ceiling on ourselves. you know, like we need to open up that ceiling and shoot for bigger things. As we narrow down, we're getting we're getting uh, time wise. Give me a couple. Like, do you have some? And we've talked about some. You know, the gratitude um, journaling, the thoughts. Are there other? Do you have some other habits or routines that you do on a routine basis to help you learn and grow in you know all of your aspects of the things that you're doing? Yeah, so I'm I'm really a routine based guy. Uh, I like to get my exercise in in the morning. 
So I, I try, you know, try to treat my body as good as I can treat my body in the morning. Uh, the, the gratitude practice is the, that's, that's the cornerstone. And, and, and when, you know, I used to have, I used to try to do it in the shower. That was my thing. I'm going to be grateful before I come out of the shower. And then I got to where I did a lot of things in the morning before I took my shower. I did my exercise and all that. And I thought, you know, the time for me to be grateful is when I open my eyes. Sure. <laughs> I need to be my, open my eyes and be thankful right then. And it spins off that. I, I, I'm a pretty consistent coach. Uh, number one, something's not going the way I want it. I look at myself first. How am I affecting this situation? Um, number two, once I figure out how I'm affecting that situation and I decide what I want that situation to be, and I start looking around as somebody already doing something that I haven't praised enough, if somebody would do more of something that would help that situation, have I praised them enough and told them how much I appreciate their input? Um, you know, and, and then hopefully I, I, I'm a good enough leader to, to hold things accountable for the team, you know, uh, to, to be grateful for everybody and praise them enough and, and just constantly, you know, pour back into people around me and coach on a day to day basis, you know, uh, uh, this morning when I came to work, uh, we've been snowed in for seven days and my car battery was dead and it was cold. It was my wife's car battery. She took my vehicle to work and her vehicle, she left the lights on and the battery was dead. Right. Now, my first thought was I was a little mad. Sure. <laughs> I'll be honest. I wasn't happy, but then I thought, you know, I can be mad and I can fuss and cuss about this and it's freezing cold out here. Or I can say, you know, it could be worse. And I can figure out how to jump my wife's car off and get the battery jumped off and get out of this cold weather. And so, yep. so you know, you you just you just move on. Uh, but it but constant improvement of my awareness is something every day I try to make sure you know, you know if if I don't like it, become aware of it and fix it. I, love I, it. I think you say uh, DM uh, doesn't matter, get better. You know, turn right. So every day, just impact people. I love it. That's awesome. You know, and it's easy to it's easy to get extremely frustrated, you know, when something like that happens, but, you know, like finding a solution and taking action is so much smarter because you can sit there and be as aggravated. You can kick the tire 44 times and that battery's not going to come back to life. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that's a you'd fact. be much better off to find a solution and to take some action. All right. Let me ask you this. What is, you know, like what's, What's the future hold for Chris? You know, like what is that big dream? You know, like what what what's next? You know, uh, I wanted to be a keynote speaker for twelve years before it came to fruition. I'd really given up on it, and Steve Gillen uh, and Trish Ward with Picture Perfect Speaker came to my event and spoke and heard me and said, man, why are you not keynoting? And I was like, you know, I just didn't get the shot. It's kind of like a little league baseball player that wants to be a major leaguer and he gets to a point and just can't get the jobs. And I just, I wasn't in a bureau and uh, I got in with them and uh, they've opened the door for jobs. And I'm so thankful and grateful for it. That coach, I want to impact people. I want to, I want to, I want to be a level five leader. I want to, I want to do what you do. I want to, I want to, you know, people to, like, I know people that know John Perry, doesn't know John Perry. You know, sure. and I, I want the same thing. Uh, you know, uh, I, I use a lot of things I've heard from you over the years. Uh, 
uh, Coach Bilderbach, you know, some things I heard about him, you were talking earlier, and you didn't even say his name, and I knew who you were talking about, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and and Missy, and, and, you know, there's just, you know, I want to impact people like that, and uh, I, I want to do that through keynoting now. Uh, it is scary every time I go on stage, sure. but uh, I just, I, I've been blessed, and I want to pay it forward, and uh, and I'll be honest, you know, we talk about what, what you want, I want to be the best in the world at it, <laughs> you know, oh, uh, yeah, I want, I want to be the top, it, not for selfish reasons. I just, you know, anything I'm into, I want to do my best. And and uh, I hope when I'm done, somebody comes and takes it a lot further than I ever took it. Sure. Well, I absolutely love that. Okay, as we end, this is what I want you to do. I want you to give me about, you know, a 60-second um, um, commercial on Solutions RX. And I will leave um, the information in the show notes where people can find it you know, because I know what that was born out of. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, it's in over 500, you know, businesses today, like it's all over, it's kind of taken off. What mm -hmm. is Solutions RX and how can it help us? Solutions RX is a vitamin supplement probiotic enzyme company, but we have a different mindset. I'm a pharmacist and the way the company was born was we realized a lot of prescription drugs cause side effects that were caused by vitamins being taken out of the body. And instead of replacing that one vitamin at a time, we made a multivitamin so it'd be a little more affordable. Then we added enzymes in there so it'd be absorbed really well. So our mindset is what problem does a patient have and how do we support that problem through nutrition, vitamins, enzymes? We do some other things, but that was the basis of how we were born uh, as a company. And what we really want to do with that, we want to put people on the right multivitamin for them, not just a random one. And uh, we, we want to do all that with a pharmacist mindset. We want to solve patients' problems and uh, put a little more good in the world. Well, this may be a silly question. How do you do that? How do you put them on the right ones? So when we know what prescriptions pull out certain vitamins, all right? Sure. So if you're on diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol medications, we know what's coming out, you know? Uh, and so we did, we made a multivitamin with the right amounts of them. I got you. So, so if you're like on a, a, a metformin for diabetes to lower your, uh, glucose fix your blood sugar then we know it pulls out more b12 so we know you need more b12 so in our prescription support multivitamin we put more of those things for our men's and women's multi we tone those down and do a little more things to keep you active and just try to put some good good pharmacy-minded thought process into which vitamins uh you should be taking i love that chris and i have absolutely loved our time together we will do this again because i honestly had two pages worth of questions that I didn't get to. We didn't uh, get I had, to them. <laughs> I had like some questions on my notebook that I got to. I got to none of the questions that I had printed off. So we will do it again soon, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate your spirit. I appreciate your, I am drawn to people who want to wake up and do big things, man, and want to serve others. And you are definitely that person. So I'm very thankful that you took the time to be with us today. Thank you, my friend. Uh, back at you. I can't wait to do it again. And next time you're in Mississippi, if you don't look me up, man. <laughs> I sure will. I promise you that. I spent a lot of time, you know, probably pretty close to where you're at. My grandparents were from Corinth, Mississippi. So in the summertime, oh, okay. we went to Corinth every year. My grandfather owned a frame shop in Corinth. I and mean, I'm going back, you know, gosh, 50, 60 years ago now. But um been there a lot. So the next time I will, I will hook you up. I promise you or look you up. Awesome. Um, thank you for being here. And man, thank you for everybody that listens. Thank you for tuning in. If you like it, share it. 
Um, and as always, man, you can give me feedback, positive or negative. I'm just trying to put something good into this world that, you know, that you can like and share with somebody. So until next time, adios, amigos.